Hello, it's Wednesday, the 3rd of January, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang-woo. The Democratic Party leader, Lee Jae-myung, is recuperating in hospital for a second day after he was stabbed in the neck by a man in Busan. We'll have the latest updates in news briefing shortly. The apparent suicide of actor Lee Sang-yoon last week has once again raised questions about why celebrities and high-profile figures in Korea take their own lives. We discuss this issue for our in-depth today. And coming up for Korea Book Club, we discover a book about Korea's rapid urbanization and the loss of innocence called The Dark Jar Within the Snowman. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. Main opposition Democratic Party leader Lee Jae-myung is in intensive care following surgery. That's after he was stabbed in the neck by a man in his 60s while visiting Busan on Tuesday morning. Our KBS World Radio news editor Koo Hee-jin joins us in the studio now to brief us on the follow-up to the attack as well as our other headlines of the day. Hee-jin, hello. Hello, Jana. So we hear that thankfully the surgery was successful Nevertheless, Yi's activity is limited at the moment, with only family able to visit him. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us? Well, DP Chair Yi Jae-myung is recovering at an intensive care unit at Seoul National University Hospital following a two-hour operation. On Wednesday, DP spokesperson Park Song-jun said on local radio that Yi underwent surgery to reconstruct blood vessels in his neck area, including the jugular vein. The main opposition leader has since regained consciousness, but the hospital limited uh, visits to immediate family members, with Park mentioning that E's wife was his only visitor after the surgery on Tuesday. The main opposition leader was stabbed by a man in his 60s while touring an airport construction site in Busan on Tuesday morning, sustaining a one and a half centimetre stab wound that inflicted damage to his jugular vein. Meanwhile, police on Wednesday raided the home and workplace of the suspect in the attack against the DP chair. Indeed, uh, the Busan Metropolitan Police Agency uh, uh, conducted the raid at around 1.30pm at the residence in Asan, South Chungcheong province, as well as the real estate agency office that the suspect uh, surnamed Kim had been running. Uh, during the raid, investigators seized the computers Kim regularly used at home and at the office, looking to secure evidence of the crime or materials that could confirm his motive. The police added that Kim used a hiking knife that had been uh, partially modified to make it easier to commit the crime and now are uh, uh, trying to ascertain whether the suspect is a member of a political party. President Yoon Song-yeol made a comment regarding the attack once again. He said terrorism suppresses human liberty as the enemy of democracy and all those that seek a free society. Indeed, Yoon made the remark at a New Year's ceremony held at the former presidential compound of Chongwade on Wednesday while referring to the attack on the uh, opposition chief. The president then called for unity in consoling the opposition leader and his family while demanding a stern response to such acts of crime. Upon uh, news of Yi's attack on Tuesday, Yun, through his spokesperson, said something that should never have happened has occurred before calling for a prompt investigation as well as support in Yi's treatment. 
And members of E's party also issued a statement decrying all forms of violence that threatens democracy following the attack on its leader. Yes, uh, following a general meeting on Wednesday, DP lawmakers expressed strong concern over what they described as terrorism aimed at destroying uh, different ideas and views through violence and hatred. Denouncing such acts uh, targeting major politicians, the lawmakers expressed hope for E's prompt recovery. They then urged uh, investigative agencies including the police, to conduct the probe into the attack as a, in a uh, strictly fair and swift manner, pledging not to sit idly by should there be a political consideration or an attempt to either scale down or distort the incident. Yes, yeah, so we'll bring you updates on the investigation and the repercussions from the attack in the days to come. Let's shift our focus towards North Korea now. The sister of leader Kim Jong-un unleashed harsh criticism over South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol's New Year's address, which pledged to bolster extended deterrence against the North. In a statement laden with sarcasm, Kim Yo-jung thanked Seoul for providing Pyongyang with justification for its efforts to secure more overwhelming nuclear force. Uh, what else does she say? Well, in the heavily sarcastic statement carried by the North Korean Central News Agency on Tuesday, Kim Yo-jong, the vice minister of the Workers' Party, accredited Seoul's deterrence plan for once again justifying Pyongyang's efforts to secure more overwhelming nuclear force. She wryly said she cordially welcomed Yun's pledge to continuously render distinctive services to the rapid development of North's military, further crediting the South Korean leader of making secure security, anxiety at commonplace in his country. She went on to mock Yun as a special contributor to the development of the North's military power. Kim also attributed her country's confident and effective development of military power to the introduction of US nuclear assets to the peninsula, such as aircraft carriers, submarines, among others. South Korea immediately condemned Kim Yo-jong's remarks. What did the relevant ministries say? Well, South Korea's defence ministry dismissed her statement as a forced claim that makes no sense, adding that South Korea's military will punish any North Korean uh, provocation immediately, strongly and until the end. The unification ministry also slammed Kim's remarks as an attempt to distort their desire to forcibly take the peninsula and shift responsibility to South Korea for driving up tensions in the region. The statement from Pyongyang comes in the wake of President Yoon suk yeols New Year's address in which he unveiled a plan to complete uh, a sturdier deterrence system with the US to counter North Korean threats in the new year. Meanwhile, South Korea's Navy plans to conduct on Wednesday this year's first firing and maritime manoeuvring drills in the East Sea, Yellow Sea and the Korean Strait. Can you tell us more? Well, the Navy announced on Wednesday that it will carry out the training to boost military readiness with the determination to strongly respond to enemy provocations amid stern security situations, including North Korea's threats to engage in provocation. The drills will see the participation of destroyers such as the 2,500-ton Kangwon, the 450-ton Kim Suhyun, and the uh, 3,200-ton Ulchimundok, and the 2,800-ton Cheonan, among 
among others. Wednesday will mark the first time that the Chonan will participate in a firing drill in the Yellow Sea since being reborn as a state-of-the-art frigate after 13 years and being deployed to the Second Fleet last month. The military said the goal of the drills is to secure combat readiness via intense training that corresponds with key missions and the operational environment of all sea areas. The Navy apparently plans such a large-scale training to assert its intent to respond to provocations against uh, amid rising uh, military tensions between the two countries. In other news, elementary student enrolment nationwide this year is expected to fall to the 300,000s as the nation continues to contend with a declining birth rate. Can you tell us more? Well, according to the government data from last month compiled, uh, compiled by the Education and Interior Ministries, 413,056 children are eligible to enter elementary school this year, with 90% of the eligible total typically enrolling in March. Now, with the exclusion of uh, preschoolers for whom a uh, deferment or exemption from school is sought due to overseas migration, health and other reasons from the total, the number of first-year elementary school students is expected to fall below 400,000 in 2024. Officials added that the figure will likely drop even further in 2026 with enrolment to fall to the 200,000 range in two years. That's we're going to leave it for our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thank you. South Korean actor Lee Sung-yoon, who gained international fame for starring in the Oscar-winning black comedy thriller Parasite, was found dead in an apparent suicide last week. His death comes amid a police investigation into alleged drug use, which led to intense media scrutiny. Lee's death had sparked many questions, but one of them again is about South Korea's notoriously high suicide rate and why there are so many high-profile suicides among celebrities and heavyweight politicians in Korea. Is there a way to explain this? To discuss this issue, we have invited Michael Breen, a journalist who has covered Korea for over 40 years. He's with us here in the studio. Mr. Breen, hello. It's good to see you again. Thank you. Hello. And we also have joining us on the line now Law Professor Song Seryeon from Kyung University, who's a renowned political commentator in Korea. But today he joins us on the line from Portland, Oregon in the US. Professor Song, hello and thank you for your time as well. Uh, hello, happy to join you. As I mentioned, South Korea has a notoriously high suicide rate, in fact the highest among OECD countries, at 25.2 suicide deaths per 100,000 people. It is more than double the OECD average of 10.6 deaths, and we constantly hear in the news about suicides, whether it be a single mother who decided to uh, take her own life with her children because of money problems, or a politician under corruption investigations or celebrities, including Lee Sung-kyun, whose fame was tarnished by scandals. Professor Song, can you help put Korea's suicide rate into some sort of perspective for us? How high is it exactly and how does it compare to other countries? Right. As you mentioned, we are currently at the top of the uh, chart uh, among the, the OECD countries. And we have been in that position at least since uh, 2003. Uh, 
so this is one of the the shameful records that we have. The other one uh, would be the lowest birth rate uh, among the OECD countries. Um, among among uh, different countries, uh, we, we can we can note that right before we climbed up to the top, uh, Japan was actually the number one, but they reduced their rates a little bit lower, and um, U.S. is. Uh, uh, in the middle of uh, teens, uh, 14. But if you look at uh, some other countries with uh, better social uh, safety nets, like the Scandinavian countries, Nordic countries, uh, they're in the very low tens. So uh, definitely there's a social structure and what kind of policies the countries have that uh, influences the, the rate of suicides. Uh, among different countries. Right, so South Korea's notoriously high suicide rate affects people from all levels of society, uh, including celebrities and high-profile politicians, as we mentioned. Mr. Breen, the latest case of actor Lee Sung-gyun's death. Of course, there'll be details particular to that case, but we can't help but reminded of other similar suicides in Korea of celebrities and politicians. Can you remind our listeners about some of those high-profile cases that shocked the public in recent years? Um, yeah, as you say, there, there have been a lot in uh, with K-pop stars in December 2017. Uh, Jonghyun of the group Shiny uh, took his own life. He was only 27 years old. Uh, two years later, uh, suddenly of the band FX... Uh, was found dead at home, suspected suicide. She was 25. And a few weeks after that, another K-pop artist, Kuhara of Kara, uh, was found dead. And then in April this year, Moonbin of the boy band Astro killed himself. And the list the list goes on. Uh, with politicians, in you'll remember in 2009, former President No Mi-hyun committed suicide. Uh, and then in 2020, the mayor of Seoul, Park Won-soon, uh, killed himself. Um, so this is uh, th- these are the famous people, and they sort of represent the tip of the iceberg of this issue. Right, and there are probably many more that we could name, uh, but those are just some of the examples. Sabrina, is there anything in common you saw about these deaths related to these high-profile figures, other than the fact that there were well-known public figures. Some of them, uh, many of them, uh, especially the politicians, they were um, under scrutiny, under investigations by police or uh, prosecution. Uh, why do, you, do they go down that path? Do you think there are perhaps socio-cultural explanations to this? I'm sure you've had such questions yourself over the mm. years as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when these sort of things happen, we all sort of... Uh ask ourselves these questions. Um, I think we should point out first that most people who commit suicide are not under investigation. So um, I think these celebrity cases um, are a kind of a subset, if you like. Mm. Um, so I, I, in other words, I don't think solving the suicide or addressing the suicide issue is just a simple solution to you know do X, Y, or Z. I think... You have to look at the causes and so on. Mm. But um, for those under investigation, I mean, obviously it's not pleasant to be 
accused of criminal behaviour. And the, the Korean justice system relies heavily on confession uh, as opposed to... I wouldn't say it doesn't rely at all on evidence, but it, it does rely heavily on confession. And so suspects come under a lot of pressure to incriminate themselves. But this this doesn't mean people can't handle it. Like, for example, most um, big business conglomerate leaders here are quite familiar with prison. Hmm. doesn't mean that they're criminals. It's actually because a lot of things that would be considered civil offences in other countries are criminalised here. So when they go through this, they, they can endure it. Um, but I, I wonder if perhaps the reason that some celebrities and politicians are particularly shattered by this type of experience is because uh, they depend on popular support. Uh, not just for their livelihood, but perhaps for their identity and their self-worth. And I think there's something... I think the explanation lies there in some way. How do you think that compares to people in other countries, celebrities and high-profile politicians in other countries? We don't see that sort of high suicide rate, I think, amongst people in other countries, say the US or the UK, right? Um, not not in the same circumstances. So if somebody uh, is being investigated for smoking marijuana in, you know, another country, we wouldn't... If they committed then committed suicide, we would have assumed that they had some underlying issues. Uh, I think it's... Uh, you know, celebrities in this country are held to a very, very high standard. Um, you don't have the... What, what you see in, in Western countries with artists and performers is that there's a, a, a very acceptable story of um, a fall and a redemption. You know, you'll get uh, actors like Robert Downey Jr. get into taking drugs, committing criminal offences, going to prison, and then they sense get resurrected. But in Korea, it... it it seems that the celebrities are held to a very, very high standard, and if they put one foot wrong, everything comes crashing down. So I, I think that's something that is uh, that is different. Professor Song, what do you make of perhaps some of uh, Mr Breen's observations there? Uh, what have you made of the controversial suicides of politicians and celebrities we've seen in Korea over the years? Uh, well, listening to Mr. Brin, I, I agree with it, but uh, a little bit of uh, pop psychology speculation uh, would be that if you notice, uh, a lot of uh, the, the politicians that committed suicide are from the liberal uh, side, the, the current opposition side. I, I, I think that has to do with their uh, inherently high level of uh, uh, moral standard they, they have uh, always claimed. So if you have a high expectation, then it puts a high pressure for their behaviors. And uh, I, I think that the, at the end, when something goes wrong with the investigation that creates more pressure, I think they're trapped into uh, thinking that the, the only way out uh, to end all those would be just committing suicide. I, I think that that kind of dynamics permeates in the Korean society. It's a pressure cooker society at school and work. 
in our recent history of fast growth and modernizing and uh, you know, all, the, all those development works under uh, Korea's unique pali-pali system. So uh, that kind of pressure situation, one misstep would be, be a, a very shameful and uh, uh, that leads to uh, a sense of failure and a sense of uh, despair. And coupled with that, I, I think that Korea is... Uh, the is very lagging in recognizing the mental health issue is a very important issue. And the the inherent stigma coming from cultural uh, background probably is not uh, helping the situation in other countries. You know, mental health uh, is a very accessible and and very accepted uh, uh, norm of uh, treating those kind of conditions. But uh, in Korean society, uh, going to the the mental health, uh, the clinics, or something like that would would be, uh, you know, betraying their honor and their reputation uh, all around. So uh, those kind of situations kind of conspire to a situation where uh, suicide is a a somewhat of a solution to their problems, which is. Uh, should not be uh, the notion that they should uh, entertain. So I, I, I think that those, those uh, should be addressed uh, in order to solve the problem. Mm. Uh, but um, we have not been doing enough. Yeah, I think uh, I'd also add that um, I know it sounds a bit odd to say it in this way, but suicide, uh, I'm British. Mm. So compared to uh, society that I grew up in, suicide is more acceptable here in the sense that, um, you know, in the in the Christian, you don't have to be a, a religious believer to believe this. You sort of grow up in a, in a culture that's influenced by religious ideas. But in the Christian culture, there's a real prohibition against suicide. I mean, suicide is seen as a sin. Mm. You know, in in olden times, suicides uh, were not allowed to be buried in the churchyard, for example, because they had sinned against God um, by taking their own life ahead of God's schedule. You know that idea. Um, and but in in the Confucian world, or in in Korea traditionally, suicide uh, doesn't evoke that same disgust, it, it tends to evoke sort of pity and even anger. It, it, even, it, it's even a form of protest, so it can even be seen as a, as a virtuous thing to do. Uh, and I think that's a factor. So when, when people are, are really shattered and they get uh, and this prospect of suicide enters their mind, there, there may be much less of a prohibition against following through on it in this society the, than there would be in other societies. So if we follow through that thought, I guess it might make it then more difficult for the nation to try and tackle this issue of reducing uh, the suicide rate in Korea. Is there anything that we can take away from uh, all the cases that we've seen, perhaps some of these celebrity and politi- politicians have, who have taken their lives and how that can be those lessons can be used to address this issue do you think well i think uh 
the, the way I, I mean, obviously, obviously there are certain things that government could do. Uh, from well, uh, Pre- Professor Song mentioned this from a welfare point of view and other things. I, I tend to look at it more uh, in a slightly different way, and I see it as a problem that is beyond what government is capable of doing. And I think, you know, if we Professor Song also mentioned the low birth rate, if we put these together, the low birth rate, the lowest birth rate in the world, and the highest suicide rate in the OECD. You put those together, they point to a very disturbing reality about modern Korea, and that is, despite the phenomenal transformation that makes this country admired around the world, uh, we're not very happy. We we have a serious uh, happiness problem. And I think what's happened to us is that we're going through a period of change in underlying values. And if I can just explain that for a second... Um, you know, life life is difficult. You know, anyone who's married or anyone who has a job or anyone who has children knows that. Um, and what makes the struggle worth enduring uh, is provided by the underlying meaning that you place on life. So speaking very generally, in old Korea, the purpose of life was, con- was to continue your lineage. Uh, in more recent years under Park Chung-hee Korea's changed. The role of the citizen became to contribute to the national economy. Um, but in the last sort of 20 or 30 years there seems to have been a bit of a vacuum in values. Uh, and People don't quite know what they're living for. Uh, and I think this is more of something that the, the reality of this hits home in family relationships, in families. But it's something that social leaders need to start addressing. Um, people need to find purpose and meaning in life that I think is, is missing for a lot of people these days. And because it's absent, they're, they're not uh, armed against the difficulties that life throws at them. Professor Song, any final remarks? What do you think we can take away from everything we've discussed today? Yeah, I agree with what Mr. Green was saying. Uh, Korean society, uh, in, in, in relation to uh, society, suicide rates, we, we have become a sick society, which means that uh, amidst our uh, fast growth and uh, go, go, go kind of culture, uh, we have overlooked or we kind of put it on the back burner uh, some of the, the mental issues and the, the, the values and all those things is of the support our life, uh, life and community. Uh, economic achievement has been the, the foremost two goals. But once that goal is either achieved or not uh, as important as before, all of the things that have swept aside and under the carpet is coming back and we have to address it. Uh, I, I think that the, what we can learn from these, uh, the high suicide rate is that we have, to, uh, we have to make it a national agenda, and not only the government, but the, the social awareness of uh, uh, we have to address it in many different fronts, a work, a home, uh, as a medical treatment, and also uh, building a support system at home and in community. I think those things uh, should be a conscious in, in, in the front burner rather than uh, uh, making it a kind of side issues. 
So, um, you know, I might, I might just add one thing, uh, which I think as we look at this, this, this problem may actually be a lot worse than, or on a bigger scale than we think it is. For example, I, um, uh, an expert in this field told me um, not so long ago that there is quite a phenomena here of elderly people getting diagnosed with illnesses. Uh, maybe it's a serious illness, they're given a few years to live, or maybe it's just sort of general bad health. And the doctor says, okay, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking, exercise, and um, here, take these, this medicine. But they don't take the medicine, and they don't take the advice. And they deliberately hasten the end. Why? Uh, so as not to be an economic burden on their children. Mm. And this is a form of indirect suicide, which is not reflected in statistics. And I don't, I don't know how you measure that, um, but the, the real suicide rate in this country may be much higher than we think it is. And it's already very, very high. So we, we do have a serious problem in this country. It needs to be addressed, I think, on many fronts. Well, we'll have to leave our discussion there for today. We've been speaking to reporter Michael Breen and Professor Song Tianyan from Kyung University. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 62.50 points, or 2.34% on Wednesday, to close the day at 2,607.31. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also fell, losing 7.36 points, or 0.84%, to close at 871.57. On the foreign exchange, the local currency fell 4.41 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,304.81. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. We've come to Korea Trending now, our daily segment where we take a look at some other news stories that have been trending online. And for that, we have with us in the studio, news editor Daniel Chair. Daniel, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. It's good to see you too, jang Okay, so what do you have for us first today? Well, data shows 2023 has been the hottest year on record for South Korea, according to the figures released by the Korea Meteorological Administration on Wednesday. The average temperature for last year for the nation was 13.7 degrees Celsius, the highest number since 1973 when facilities and equipment were updated and expanded nationwide to compile accurate data related to temperature and weather. This is sadly not really a surprising development considering the trend leading up to last year, right? Right. The previous record was set in 2016 when it was 13.4 degrees Celsius. In fact, eight of the top 10 highest recorded average temperatures are from between 2005 and last year. Even during December, the average nationwide temperature only went below zero degrees between the 16th and the 25th of that month, with most other days showing unseasonably warm weather. During March around the spring season, the unseasonably high temperatures even led to spring flowers like cherry blossoms and azaleas blooming simultaneously. In August, due to the impact of Typhoon Kanun, higher temperatures, downpouring humidity, more than usual, were recorded. Right. Even today, I would say the weather is not as bitterly cold as we would expect in January. But, of course, Korea wasn't alone experienced the impact of global warming. Uh, what are we hearing from other parts of the world? 
Well, the exact figures for all countries aren't officially out yet, but few experts would argue that it was the hottest year on record globally. Uh, the World Meteorological Organization's Provisional State of the Global Climate Report released on November 30th stated 2023 would be the hottest year in the 174-year history of keeping relevant records. Data compiled between January and October shows the year was about 1.4 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial 1850 to 1900 baseline, the margin of uncertainty being plus or minus 0.12 degrees. Yeah, so sadly, this is just another reminder that more needs to be done to address this very pressing and concerning matter. Okay, let's move on to our next story. What do you have for us? Well, feeling the need for speed is nothing new, but this time we're talking about speeding up songs. This is a trend fast growing among those born between the 90s and the 2000s. Yes, uh, our listeners who are often on social media or keep up to date with the music charts may know what we're talking about. But uh, for those who don't, can you walk us through this trend? Uh, Playing and enjoying songs and music 1.5 times or even double the normal speed is an activity loved by this group. One of the appeals of this method is that it changes an existing song or music into something very new and different. Mm. One piece of evidence could be found on the Melon Charts Top 100 release on December 21st. First Snow, sung by the K-pop group EXO, made it to the top of the chart for the first time in over a decade. The song was released in 2013. The reason behind this sudden popularity, a sped-up version of the track was used for a dance challenge online, which helped the song become popular again. Right, I see. So sped-up songs. I guess it makes sense. It's been found that the attention spans of uh, the younger generations are becoming shorter. Uh, With so much content out there, there's uh, become this fast music culture emerging. It was inevitable. In tune with the trend of enjoying these musical short-form videos using sped-up songs, various music labels and agencies are providing sped-up versions of their hit songs separately in recent months. They include some of the hottest groups today, like Espa. Not only that, veteran hip-hop groups like Dynamic Duo releasing songs, uh, sometimes from nearly a decade ago. Yes, but this isn't just in Korea, right? This is a shift that we're seeing around the world as well. Outside of Korea, even Lady Gaga is benefiting from this trend with her 2011 song Bloody Mary's sped-up version becoming a hit thanks to short-form videos. Sam Smith, ever the early adapter, also quickly jumped on the wave and released a sped-up version of his 2014 hit song, I'm Not the Only One. While most welcome this phenomenon, some experts express concerns over the possibility of the side effects of more and more people preferring to use sped-up versions instead of enjoying and appreciating the original releases as they are. Uh, I think who people who support the idea say there's room for both. I mean, why not? Uh, the artists themselves, though, might bridle at the idea of their music uh, being tweaked in this way. But at the same time, it's also quite nice that old songs are getting to see the light of day again uh, in this way. But yes, an interesting trend uh, that we're seeing nonetheless. OK, let's move on to our final story. What else has been trending? On Tuesday, Seoul City announced plans to introduce a new transportation service that connects the Panpo and Jamwon Han River parks. A trial run of the service will begin in March. Right, so just to clarify, I believe this is not a service that links the two parks per se, but it's about offering more transport options that stop at these popular parks because they're quite a walk away from the nearest subway stations. And that's great news because they are popular and beautiful parks. I understand that the routes are going to be served by some special electric vans as well. Can you tell us more? Right, like you said, they're to help you cover all the nooks and crannies of the parks. The EVs are a type of van that seats 11 passengers. There are plans to have them painted with 
popular kid-friendly characters like Tayo and Larva to enhance their marketability and appeal to tourists. They will come equipped with AC for summer and heating for winter seasons, as well as wheelchair-friendly facilities. The vans will help make sure visitors can check out various attractions between the two parks that pass subway stations Dongjak and Banpo of Lines 4 and 9, including cafes with incredible views, unique bridges and swimming pools. The first three vans will begin operations, ensuring passengers won't have to wait longer than 20 minutes if they miss the first ride. For the initial trial run, it will be free of charge. Right, so essentially it will be a free shuttle bus then for a while, and we'll see how popular the service is. Meanwhile, I believe another type of new transportation was announced as well. Yes, Mapu District also plans to operate a new bus service from May. During the trial run, the bus will take passengers to various attractions, including the World Cup Park and others, and others found in the Hongdae area as well. The 25-seater vehicle will be made to resemble the exterior of a 1960s train that used to travel past a nearby area. It will also make the classic train sound and let out <laughs> steam, or in this case, vapor, to add to the nostalgic experience. Okay, so some interesting new transport options serving Seoul Lights coming soon. Uh, That's all we have time for today's Korea Trending. Thank you for those stories, Daniel, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for having me. Next up, it's Korea Book Club, our weekly segment where we delve into the world of Korean literature and books through works available in translation and beyond. And for our first book club of the year, joining us now in the studio is literary critic Barry Welsh with another work for us to discover. Barry, hello. It's great to see you. Yes, hi. Great to be back. Okay, so what book are you introducing to our listeners today? So this week we're reviewing a short story called The Dark Jar Within the Snowman. The Korean title is Nun Saram Soke Komun Hangari, and it's by Kim Sojin. It was published in Korean in 1996, translated into English by Chris Che, uh, and published in English by Asia Publishers in 2013. Uh, and Kim Sojin is a distinguished figure in contemporary Korean literature and is renowned for his insightful storytelling and deep exploration of uh, societal themes. He was born in 1963 and raised in the Miari neighbourhood, which is in uh, Gangwon-do. And his work was heavily influenced by the uh, rapid urbanisation and the cultural shifts within this neighbourhood uh, specifically and with uh, the wider Korean society in general. And his stories, the, the narratives that he uh, tells often delved into the complexities of modern Korean life, especially working class life or, or often uh, urban poor. Uh, and he would frequently examine the sort of relationship or interconnectedness between uh, personal memory, his memories of growing up in this uh, neighbourhood and this sort of big social change that was happening. Uh, and his writing is characterised by a, a lyrical quality uh, and his poignant portrayal of characters who grapple uh, with the reality of this uh, rapidly evolving uh, and changing society in Korea in the 1980s and 1990s. Mm. Uh, and despite having this you know, very uh, uh, local focus in his setting, many of his stories set in this you know, neighbourhood of Miari that he grew up in, his stories are also uh, u- universal stories. He writes about themes of loss, 
transformation and just the endurance of the human spirit in difficult situations. And this story in particular, The Dark Jar Within the Snowman, uh, cemented his status as a vital voice in Korean literature who was adept at capturing uh, the nuances of both the human experience and these sort of specific uh, challenges that we're facing in contemporary Korea. Tragically, however, this was uh, Kim's last uh, published work and he died uh, the following year at the much too young age of just 33 in 1997. Wow, I see. So that makes this work all the more poignant, it seems, then. So let's delve into the story itself. What is the central narrative about? So the dark, dark within the snow, uh, dark jar within the snowman. It's a poignant exploration of childhood uh, memory and this relentless tide of urbanization, as Kim saw it. So the story is narrated by Min Hong, who is essentially a stand-in for Kim himself. Uh, Min Hong returns to his childhood neighborhood of Myari, which is now uh, in the midst of redevelopment, and this visit triggers a, a, a flood of, of childhood memories. So it takes Min Hong and the reader back to his youth. Uh, in the slums where he lived with his mother. And the central event of the narrative revolves around a a sort of traumatic childhood incident so one winter morning, uh, young Min Hong accidentally makes a terrible mistake. He breaks a neighbor's jar of uh, salted uh, peppers and he uh, panicked and fearing uh, punishment from this uh, uh, intimidating neighbor. He conceals this broken jar inside a snowman, thinking this will uh, hide his uh, accident. Mm. And this act sort of symbolizes his attempt to cover up his mistakes and this idea of the loss of innocence as he sort of tries to grapple with the consequences of his actions. And this memory of the broken jar hiding in the snowman it becomes a, a motif throughout the rest of the story and it represents uh, Min Hong's childhood Kim's childhood as well and the secrets that we keep in general and so as Min Hong uh, uh, revisits this old neighbourhood he also encounters uh, Chang Yi uh, who is a figure from his past as, uh, as a man who is involved in the neighbourhood's redevelopment and he's also married to a girl who used to tease Min Hong as a child and so he has these encounters uh, and they sort of evolve a sense of nostalgia and loss in him as he's, he sort of witnesses the transformation of these once familiar surroundings into something uh, completely unrecognisable. And the narrative is is sort of uh, interspersed with Min Hong's reflections on his mother, uh, his childhood, and the societal changes that have, have shaped his life and are shaping the, the country as well. And the story culminates in a very poignant scene where Min Hong, feeling this deep sense of loss and helplessness, enters an empty house in the redevelopment area and sort of realises that everything is lost um, and Kim uh, you know, he sort of juxtaposes this personal journey with the you know the broader uh, social changes and it's a, a very uh, poignant commentary on the costs of progress that sounds very moving but also I guess deeply symbolic that there's more going on under the surface can you elaborate on the themes of the story a bit more for us okay sure so the story it it's a, a story is really just a meditation on several sort of themes that are connected. So the most prominent uh, is the loss of innocence, and this is experienced by Min Hong, and it's symbolised by the snowman with the the uh, hidden uh, pickle jar inside it. Uh, and then this theme is interwoven with the impact of urbanisation, uh, not just this sort of idea of a physical transformation of the neighbourhood, but as this disruptor of 
you know, personal experiences and, and uh, communal memories and, and communal society in general. And then another significant theme is this idea of the struggle to adapt to societal changes uh, as seen through the responses of the different characters. Uh, so Min Hong and Changi and, and Changi's uh, partner and uh, Min Hong's mother. But um, what Kim also touches on are themes of nostalgia, uh, the ephemeral nature of life and just the general resilience of the human spirit in the face of change. Yes, I can imagine that this story would particularly resonate with a certain generation of Koreans who saw the rapid development of Korea in the late 20th century firsthand. Mm -hmm. Uh, How does Kim use his characters to further explore these themes? Uh, so there aren't many characters in the story really, but the characters that are there, Min Hong and Changi and so on, they're carefully crafted to represent different aspects of Korean society, different aspects of human experience. So Min Hong is, is not only a representation of Kim, the writer, but he's also a, a conduit for the reader and perhaps, like you say, the generation of people that went through these uh, changes themselves. But he's someone who's navigating these complexities of dealing with his memories of this place and seeing that how they've changed in the, in the world of today. His mother embodies the struggle of the older generation who find it difficult to reconcile themselves with this sort of new uh, modern face of Korea. Changi, on the other hand, he represents a sort of a younger generation's approach. He's more pragmatic, maybe a little more cutthroat in his attitude, and he's uh, forward-looking and uh, more detached from the past. Uh, And so through these sort of different characters, we have a a multifaceted picture of a society in flux, and then these individuals taking different strategies to try and find their place within it. Right, so a sort of a microcosm of Korean society there. Yeah, right, a good uh, way of saying it. At the crossroads where Korea stood at the time, I guess. So what should we make of this work then, Barry? Why should our listeners consider adding The Dark Jar Within the Snowman to their reading list? Yeah, right. So I think it is, uh, it's a great story. It's very interesting. It has this eloquent exploration of themes. Uh, It it doesn't have, you know, much of a driving narrative behind it. It really is more of a mood, sort of exploring, uh, using mood to explore these themes that are deeply Korean, but at the same time also, you know, universally human. Uh, I think it's a story that will stay with you long after you've uh, finished reading it and perhaps might even prompt you to reflect on your your own experiences of growth or, or change and, and the passage of time that we uh, that we all experience right uh, and Kim's storytelling is uh, I think it's poignant as well as being quite powerful uh, and I think it's an essential read for anyone who's interested in understanding the complexities of uh, modern life or the impact of social changes and just the enduring nature of our memories and identity. I think that is the key word for today, poignant. I think we mentioned uh it a few times. It is uh uh, quite a moving work, it sounds like. Once again, it's called The Dark Jar Within the Snowman by Kim Sojin. And that was our pick for this week's Korea Book Club. Barry, thank you for your review. Till next time, take care and have a great week. Okay, take care. I am pianist Shin Chang-yong. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. We've come to Morning Edition Preview now, our closing segment where we take a look at some interesting features or reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, we have joining us in the studio now our staff editor, Richard Larkin. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you too. 
Okay, so what do you have for us first? We have kind of touched on the subject in the past, and that is virtual idols. Whether you're excited for the future of the technology that produces virtual idols, or you feel we are heading toward a dystopian future with AI, <laughs> either way, I think Yi Jung Yoon's article in the entertainment section of the Korea Herald is worth the read. Yes, they're not quite mainstream virtual K-pop groups, right. but they are perhaps heading that way, right? Definitely. Over the past year, several companies have produced virtual groups and released music. According to the article, virtual idols can be divided into two groups. First, there are groups that have real people wearing special suits and performing the choreography. An AI person is then added in post-production. I've seen a few music videos of these groups. I think the technology is not quite there yet. <laughs> you can tell something is off. You mm. uh, see the backgrounds and the person's body look fine, but the face, you can tell some effect has been added. Yes, the uncanny valley, as they yes, call it. Yes, exactly. Uh, then there are virtual idols who are totally made from scratch using AI. To me, they look like video game characters almost, and honestly, I prefer it that way. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, te the technology, it's bound to only get better in the future. So mm. perhaps it'll become harder to tell which groups are real and which groups are virtual in the future. Right. Especially as virtual groups can even now hold concerts, perform on music broadcast programs, and even go on live streams to interact with fans. Well, the company that is producing the groups can. Mm. And yeah, you're right. The technology will only get better. There is technology being developed that will allow members of these groups uh, to remember past conversations, and they will be able to have their own unique personality when they talk so what they say and the way they talk it's definitely an interesting topic of discussion whether mm. you are for or against this type of ai technology indeed let's swiftly move on to the next article that you have for us uh, what are we looking at well it is coming up to the time that every adult loves and that is the year-end tax settlements <laughs> it can be quite difficult especially if you live in another country so i have uh, chosen yoon jae-young's article in the finance section of the korea times which explains how people in korea can do exactly that okay so i think that was laid with some sarcasm there the <laughs> uh, the national tax service has uh, come out with uh, important information that foreigners living in korea should know right it has yeah the the year-end tax settlements should be done before the date you receive wages in february this year it can be difficult, so there are various ways to help you do them. First, the tax service has a YouTube channel where it has guide videos showing how foreigners can do their year-end tax settlements. It also has guides showing them how they can apply for certain exemptions, deductions and tax credits. Yes, and so for more information, do check out tomorrow's Career Times. That's where we're going to wrap it up. Richard, thank you for those stories, and we'll see you again next time. See you next time. And that's what we wrap it up for our show as well. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So we hope you can join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you as always for listening. Goodbye.